please look around for a little bit. Look around the sanctuary. I can't resist to say it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is, and isn't that a pleasure? I love the decorations. I love the spirit. I love the family events. Most of all, I love the purpose of Christmas because we honor and celebrate Jesus Christ. And I pray that we do that every day, but this is a special group of days, Advent. And as Jerry even already has shared with us, these four weeks coming up to Christmas time, hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, where do those come from? One place. Only one place. Our world is full of other things that tell us that we're going to find hope, peace, joy, and love. Sometimes they're very good. They're fun. They're enjoyable. They're meaningful. But underneath all of it, just one place. And that is Jesus Christ. And so I am pleased to come today on this first day of Advent and share with you some concepts about hope. And I believe in hope. I trust hope. I pray that I live in the spirit of hope. And I believe that I do. And I hope that you do also. However, I have to talk about hope and suffering. As Scott said earlier, that's not a great recruitment poster for the Christian experience, but it is true. And so the truth of it is, is that we all suffer. It's a part of life. It is inevitable, and I would say to you that it is a fact. What's a fact? Suffering. Now we're going to get to hope, I promise. So don't be depressed and don't say, well, this would be a good time for me to take a little nap. Uh, No, because we focus on the hope as the answer to the suffering. But it is a fact, and even that scripture that Scott shared with us at the first of our service today in uh, 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, in my translation it starts off, it says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in and through Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now you don't like to hear that, and I don't like to hear that. Because that's a bit of a threatening concept. But scripture teaches that. And Jesus Christ, the wonderful gift of hope, teaches that. And so for you and me to be mature, growing, committed Christians, we have to accept that fact. And that's part of why I have been led. I didn't just pick this, but I've been led to talk to you about hope in the midst of suffering because it's inevitable, it's a fact of life, 
It's a fact of sin. It's a fact of this fallen world in which we live. And you know that we do. This world is a mess. And so in that, there is suffering. There's heartache. There's trouble. But the hope is coming through Jesus Christ and through all that he gives to us because I would like to call your attention to 1 Peter 5.10 and we're going to look at that on the screen. And Peter is talking about life and all the things that we go through and the goodness of the Lord. And he's talking about the fact that God cares for you. Even he says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And he's saying that everybody suffers and all of the Christian brothers and sisters suffer. But then he says, and look carefully at this verse, because it says, And the God of all grace, who called you by his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while. Now I want to stop there for a second. Why would scripture say that if we were not going to suffer a little while? <laughs> we do believe that scripture is true. That it is infallible. That it is God's word. And so here we're looking at a passage of Scripture and says that all of this is going on and then after you have suffered for a little while and maybe sometime when we suffer we don't feel like it's a little while. We feel like it's a lot of while. <laughs> yep, a long time. But look next at this phrase. After you've suffered a little while he will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, who is the He? Your Heavenly Father. We trust God in His truth and in His mercy and His care for us because He will take care of, take care of us even in the midst of the suffering. And so we find that that is true, that the Bible treats suffering as just a part of normal life. Now, again, we don't like that. <laughs> we don't want to suffer. And we work really hard to be convenient and comfortable. And I was sitting talking to my wife last night, and we're blessed to live in a nice place. And I was out all day here at church, and fellowshipping and in visits and I just had a really nice day and then I was thinking here I sit and we had a nice meal that Mickey had prepared for me and we were sitting in our two recliners yeah we're old folks she's got hers and I got mine but we were just chatting we didn't have the TV on and we like to do that and I just said sometimes I think I'm too comfortable I sit in this beautiful house, driving my nice car, sitting in my nice recliner, eating my nice food. And then I think about people around the world. Now, I can't do a lot about that, but I do at least need to identify that sometimes I'm too comfortable. And so we press for that. But the Bible treats suffering 
is just a part of life. Now Jesus said, please remember this, he said, no servant is greater than his master. He said, they've persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, folks, who was he talking to there? You, you, me. We're not greater than Jesus, and think about what he went through. And Scripture says that we're going to be blessed when we live in some of the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to be blessed. Now, I want to tell you two or three things about suffering. God is not surprised nor shocked about the fact that you and I are going to suffer. He knows about it. He expects it. That's why he tells us in Scripture to even embrace it or to realize that it's going to be a part of our life. I will have to say to you that I've learned in my life and in my own experience and in my ministry and in my counseling that if I face something and realize it is reality and it is to be expected, then I can handle it much better. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I will assure you that is a fact of our mental processes. When we face it and and know reality of it, expect it, we can handle it much better. If you avoid it and say, no, I'm not going to look at that. No, that makes me uncomfortable. No, well... That's part of what Scripture is saying. Yes, hope is there. Don't forget, I'm going to get there, folks. But you're going to suffer. And it's to be expected. And so, God, God's Word, treats it as just a normal part of life. Now, why would that be? Because hope is productive. Now, you may think hope is defeating. I mean, excuse me, suffering is productive. You may think suffering defeats you. Well, it depends on our attitude towards suffering. But suffering, according to the Bible, is productive. So I want to look at uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Let's put that on the screen. Look very carefully at this because this indicates the productivity of suffering. Now, Paul again is writing this and he's been talking about the gifts of God and the way that we have faith in him and he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Now, I'm going to talk about peace next week. I I have a tendency to talk about peace a lot. And I don't apologize for that. And even when I read this scripture over these last few days preparing for this sermon, I kept wanting to get into peace. But we'll do that next week, okay? But there is peace and hope that goes together. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now, I said that suffering is productive. In this whole process, we stand. 
we do not get beat down. Now, if you get beat down, then there are things that can be done about that, and I will share some of that in just a moment. But because of our faith in Jesus Christ and the peace and the hope that we find in that, we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory and we rejoice in our sufferings. Now I'm stopping there because I want you to be sure and hear that. We rejoice in our sufferings. Now, do you remember what James, the first chapter, says? Have joy in all of your sufferings, sufferings of many kinds, because it produces. Remember, suffering is productive, so we are glorying in our sufferings. We're rejoicing in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, and perseverance moves to character, and character moves to hope. But look at the progression. We got suffering that produces perseverance. Perseverance is strength, is power. And then perseverance coming out of that strength and power, it moves to character development. Character is attitude. What is your attitude towards suffering? Oh, I don't want to do that. No. God, don't tell me I have to suffer. No, that's the wrong attitude, folks. Because it says that we move through perseverance, strength, to character, good attitude about the whole process. And then because we have a good attitude, what is the end result? Hope. Remember, I'm sharing with you hope in the midst of suffering. And this is part of the productivity of suffering. And we have this hope because it does not disappoint us. It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So hope does not disappoint. Now that, to be honest, that doesn't seem to make sense. Suffering, suffering, suffering is going to lead to hope. Well, yeah, okay, but it seems like suffering would disappoint, would depress, would defeat us, would beat us down. But this is saying it produces. Now, also, I'm going to tell you that suffering prepares you and me for service to the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? If you don't go through suffering, then we're missing some of Scripture. And when we go through suffering, it prepares you and me to serve the Lord because He has modeled what it's all about as far as service and the Christian faith. Now, I want to share with you, I've talked a little bit about this this story, some in the past. But I've had several places of severe suffering in my life. Now, I haven't suffered through illness. I haven't suffered through death of loved ones. Many of you have, and God bless you in that. It is very tough. But I've suffered through some difficult experience because I've served the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you that 
1973, I left Virginia Beach and moved to Fort Worth, Texas to go back to seminary. And if you've heard this story, please listen to it again, because I'm going to say some things that I probably didn't say the first time around. But I left here, went back to, to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas to work on my Ph.D. in counseling. They invited me to come back. They recruited me. I'd been there five years previous, and they, the psychology and counseling department, asked me to come back, work on my Ph.D., so that I could become a member of the faculty at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I would be a professor in psychology and counseling. What a deal. I loved it. I went back with great excitement, with great intent. And I became the graduate assistant of the major professor of the psychology department. I taught his classes when he was out of town. I graded all of his papers. I worked hard. I worked hard. I worked so hard that I'd say hi to Mickey and the girls. Now, the two little girls. But I served for two years. And I was excited because everything was going very well. And then one day in the classroom building where we studied and uh, worked and had counseling center and all of that, two of my friends came up to me and said, Don, what in the world happened? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, it was just announced and I, you don't know the man, so I'm going to use the name, that Chester Grounds has now been appointed as the graduate director of the Counseling Center. That was my next step in all of my process. I had heard nothing about it whatsoever. I heard about it in the hallway. I still remember where I was standing. And it shocked me to the very core of my being because my whole life, had been aimed at that particular point of what I'd been promised. There's a key word. We'd bought a house, had two little girls. We, quote, had it made. And now, Tuesday morning, standing in the hallway, the rug had been completely pulled out from underneath me. That night, after counseling center, in our counseling center, we had groups on Tuesday night. I walked into the, my major professor's office. I walked up to his desk. He must have known or seen me coming because he never looked up. He was sitting at his desk. I walked up, stood right in front of his desk, and he kept his head down, never looked up. And his only words to me were, Solomon... It's my decision, and you'll just have to live with it. Now, to this day, now, God bless him. The man is dead, and I'm sure he's in heaven because he was a godly man. But that's the only phrase that he ever said to me about that whole experience. Solomon, it's my decision, and you'll just have to live with it. Well, I was devastated. I walked out of his office after about 30 seconds of just standing there. I thought surely he would say something more. But no, he had said what he was going to say. I walked down the hall and there were five, and I get emotional about this, 
There were five of my brothers. We played ball together. We lifted weights together. We fellowshiped with our wives. We had a bond. And those five men knew what I was going through. And they were waiting for me. And they held me. And I sobbed like a baby. Now, I'm very thankful for those five men because they knew the pain and the suffering that I was going through. But it didn't end there, folks. I moved into my third year of a four-year program to get my Ph.D. Now, remember, please, my major professor had complete authority to say, yes, you can become Dr. Solomon, or no, you'll wash out of this program. And I have no idea why he made the decision to take part of that away from me. But I continued on in my third year and my fourth year. The third year was absolute misery. Suffering every single day at the hands of this major professor. Why? What? I'd, there was nothing. I, I was a nice guy. <laughs> I was dedicated. Uh, and I had done everything that he had asked me to do. But for one solid year, every paper I wrote, he made me rewrite them. Every seminar that I spoke in, he criticized me publicly. He treated me like I was some alien. Now, why? And how? Now, I will tell you that the fourth year, I wrote my dissertation, and suddenly I became a golden boy again. Now, he didn't give me back the promise and the possible position, but he believed in me and was thrilled about my dissertation, probably because I wrote something that proved his hypothesis. (laughs) But all that's part of the journey. But my point is I suffered and it produced and it prepared me to come back to Virginia Beach in 1977 and in 1980 and 81 to walk down to the beachfront. And for 12 years, I served the Lord on the edge of reality sometimes. Because I fought battles and I took care of people and I had a thrilling experience. And I will guarantee you, if I had not gone through one whole year of suffering at the hand of my major professor in Fort Worth, Texas, I would not have been able to survive in the beachfront and to honor the Lord and to share the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Absolutely amen. And not because of me, because I suffered terribly. But it grew me up. I had to have that in order to come back here and do what I was supposed to do. That's the truth. And so therefore, I'm thrilled that that made A major professor said to me, Solomon, it's my decision and you'll just have to live with it. In God's goodness, 
Please hear this. In God's goodness, I have lived with it. (laughs) And God has blessed me. And he will do likewise to you. So suffering produces hope, character, perseverance, strength, growth. It is productive and it prepares us for service. And the last thing that I will say to you about suffering is it's not the end game, folks. Yes, we suffer. Yes, this is a tough trip. Yes, we've all had all sorts of varying kind of difficulties. We struggle. We are struggling people. But it's not the end game because we have been promised that we have comfort even in this life and in the future. Now, before I get to the future, I want to talk about this life for just a moment. And I want to look at Hebrews, the scripture passage on Hebrews. Now, I'm going to, we're going to look at on the screen at verse 22, but I need to back up a little bit to verse 19. It's chapter 10, verse 19, starting because it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way open for us through the curtain, that it is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, the reason I go back to that is because there are two senses there. Since we have and since we know. In our suffering, we know since is a, is a positive word. It's not if. It's not maybe. It says since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Then verse 22. Look at it very carefully. Then let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Now I'm going to stop right there for a moment. If I have a guilty conscience or you have a guilty conscience, guess what, folks? There's a barrier between me and my heavenly father. It's inevitable. We don't need that. And he cleanses us of our guilty conscience if we turn to him. So we are sprinkled, (laughs) cleansed from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let's go on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, that's part of what we, do, we need to do with suffering. Because now we move into word verses that talk about let us. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And in all but encouraging one another and all the more seeing the day approaching. Let us, this is all through this scripture passage. What is that saying? When we're suffering, don't feel like you've got to do it by yourself. You live in a body of believers. We are a body of believers. Let us, through the presence of Jesus Christ, know that we have hope. And then share that hope and encourage each other in that hope. You can't do that if you're sitting home watching TV. Mm -hmm. 
Can you? Can you encourage your brothers and sisters if you're sitting home watching TV? No. Now, yes, you can get good inspirational music and inspirational messages. So sometimes, yes. But God intended for us to gather together in the body of believers. And that is a part of how we're to handle this whole business of suffering. And it produces hope. So here we have in our life, we're promised. Do you remember this phrase from the 23rd Psalm? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now that's a promise for present life. And so suffering is not the end game. We are promised comfort through the, through the presence of the Lord and through the, what he's provided for us. And then we're promised eternal relief from suffering. The rest of that 23rd Psalm. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what is the house of the Lord? Hmm. Go to Revelations 21. Have we got that on the screen? No, sir. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> then please listen to it before we move to this beautiful experience of remembering our Lord. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older order of, uh, the old order of things has passed away, and everything has become new. Guess what? That says suffering goes away. That's the promise of hope. So we don't have to live in hope, I mean in suffering, but we have to contend with it. But you're not by yourself. We're talking about hope in the midst of suffering. And we have that hope because of what? Because of this right here. If we had not had the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus Christ, where would we be? Please be silent and be preparing yourself for a minute or two to receive this with no guilty conscience, cleansed heart, being washed by the pure water of the Holy Spirit. Let's be quiet and prepare for a moment.